Welcome in to Two Point Drafts. Austin Gale here with my guy, Mike Renner, on video today with a little shiner underneath the right eye there. Any any comment, any, any anything we can get a story-wise on the black eye, Mike? I'll just say I was punched and leave it at that. The, tell the, I took tell a the punch black like eye. A, I took it like a champ. That's telling the black eye story in the most boring way possible. I respect yes, it. You're that saying was, yeah, on with that that's, the new, that's the new trend, yeah. <laughs> There you go. All right. Today, we're going to be going over the cornerback class, the 2021 NFL draft cornerback class, Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech, Sean Wade, Ohio State, Patrick Sertain of Alabama, among several others. I also sat down with new Chargers cornerback, longtime Denver Broncos cornerback, Chris Harris Jr. And dude was, I'll tell you this, before we started recording, he was ripping it up on his ranch. He's got ATVs out there. His whole family's out there. He's doing quarantine well. Okay, he's social distancing on a multiple tens of acre ranch and just living it up with all these new off-road tool toys and tricks. But uh, talk to him a lot about this past year. He played over 900 snaps at outside corner, most he's ever played in a single season in his career. And and he said, point out, uh, point blank, we didn't have a better corner than me, and you needed to play me on the best receiver every single week. And it was very. You know, you felt he's like, I had to shadow the best receiver every single week. And obviously that led to some ups and downs. It was a challenge, but I'm ready to do the same thing for Los Angeles if they want to do that for me as well. He said the reason his role for the Chargers is going to be playing anything they ask of him and calling out plays pre-snap. He's like, that's why everyone wants me on their defense. I call out plays pre-snap, which I felt I didn't know that he was a freaking magician or, <laughs> or a, um, a psychic necessarily, but apparently that's a big draw for Chris Harris Jr., now 31-year-old veteran cornerback. Also had a lot of positive things to say about Desmond King, Derwin James, Casey Hayward. They think they can be pretty legit. I definitely encourage everyone to stay on the podcast after we go over the 2021 cornerback class to listen to that Chris Harris Jr. interview. All right, Mike, you ready to rip it up, starting with Caleb Farley? I am. One sec. I just want to say, I think that Chargers duo, probably the two most underrated corners of this past decade. Like, they were, Casey Hayward was, like, never bad. He was always good, even when he was in Green Bay. Similar with Chris Harris Jr., they've both been just over their entire careers very consistent, but I think never got their due because Hayward started his career in a slot, pigeonhole a slot corner. Same with Chris Harris, even though... That's not necessarily what they've been doing in recent years. So I'll just say that off the rip. But I'm ready to get into these draft prospects because I like this cornerback class. Monsters. Huge. The One of the biggest cornerback classes I've ever seen. Everyone seemingly Dude, is the South Carolina. The South, <laughs> the South Carolina guy, Israel Mukamu, is like six foot four. Like, is he over 200 pounds? That dude is monstrous. Literally <laughs> monstrous. He like has like an arc in his back too that makes him look like he's like a, like hulking over. It's just the way he like stands. I mean, he is Marina Brown or reincarnated, basically. We'll get to him later though. He's not he's not among the top guys right now. We'll just say. There's one thing I want to jump in on before we go over Caleb Farley. One last thing on the Chris Harris Jr. interview, just to tease it one more time. I asked him who he thought some of the better young cornerbacks are in the NFL kind of put him on the spot a bit he struggled to come up with some names but he said Trey Flowers of Seattle Charvarius Ward of the Kansas City Chiefs and Jair Alexander the Green Bay Packers I don't know how much film he's watching PFF grades don't line up with a lot of that but he had high praise for those three guys what's your opinion on that (laughs) Trey Flowers he's joking I I'm asking, I asked him, and Trey Flowers wasn't only one of the three th- names he mentioned. It was the first name 
he mentioned. Trey Flowers was the first name that came out. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, Mike. He's, it's coming from Chris uh, Jr. himself. Let's look up his agent and Trey Flowers' agent. and We might have to. We honestly might have to. Connect the dots there. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and rip it up with starting with Virginia Tech's Caleb Farley. I think this is going to be a lot of draft analysts and a lot of NFL teams cornerback one when it's all said and done. Seeing what this guy can do at an outside cornerback, I think he did a very good job in press man. What I love about Caleb Farley is that he very similar to I'm not 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 calling him Stephon Gilmore, but what Stephon Gilmore does a very good job of is finishing through the catch point. I mean, they coach that in New England to finish through the catch point. The play's not over when the ball hits the receiver's hands. You can finish through the catch point and earn those PBUs back. And you see that a ton, a ton on Caleb Farley's tape. He doesn't, he doesn't let himself get beat at the catch point, which I thought was super impressive and obviously something that you need if you want that type of ball production in the NFL. In addition to that, I think he's got good length, all those things, all the tools and the athleticism to be a man mirror cornerback in the NFL. So I think that's the biggest thing is we talked about how there's probably a half dozen guys at least in this cornerback class who will be drafted in the first few rounds who are 6'1 or 6'2 and over 200 pounds. Like this is a big, big cornerback class. To me, Farley is easily the – I think he's going to be the fastest of the bunch. I think he's going to test out probably in the 4-3s. Maybe maybe, maybe he sneaks in the 4-4s. But he, like on tape, you see it consistently. If a guy gets past him a, a split step, a step at all, he is making that up. No one has ever – no one that I saw on tape was ever really striding away from him down the field. You just didn't see him get stacked. And that's why last year only about 5 of 27 targets, 10-plus yards downfield. Just did not get beat deep. Now, some of those – did come. There was some worrisome tape against Notre Dame, against Chase Claypool. He got, uh, you know, out physical a little bit there in that game, had some bad reps. But I just think his body of work that we saw last year, and I think what we'll see this upcoming season is just a guy who uh, NFL teams are going to want because of that combination of size and speed just plays in terms of winning down the football field, or I guess from the quarterback's perspective, not losing down the football field. I mean, he took major strides, you know, this past year, played over 700 snaps in 2018, earned just a 58.8 PFF coverage grade with eight passes defense. This past year really stepped up a 90.5 PFF coverage grade, only allowed um, 88 yards after the catch, had nine PBUs, a 26.8 NFL passer rating allowed when targeted with just five penalties. Very impressive numbers in coverage for Farley this past year. Both both the Virginia Tech corners, though. There's another guy on Virginia Tech that put up good numbers in that defense this past year. Reminds me of the old Kyle and Kendall Fuller days, but yeah, I, I really do like his length. Yeah. The tools it comes. It's not, I'm not calling him Jeffrey Akuda. I think Jeffrey Akuda was very, very good and had all these tools and athleticism, but like you want the production and you want the tools and, you know, all the tools needed to be elite at the next level. And I am, I'd be hard to say Caleb Farley doesn't have that. Yeah, I agree. I think Akuda was more of a smooth all around athlete. You'll see Farley get his feet, you know, get a little clunky at times. Doesn't have quite the hip. Uh, fluidity that Akuda did, but I think in terms of the explosiveness, uh, the rest of the package, I think Farley has that. All right, let's jump to the next cornerback here. It's Ohio State Sean Wade. There are some analysts I've seen some takes that this is the cornerback one in the 2021 NFL draft. You see him this past year is 74.9 PFF coverage grade, a 69.9 pass rating loud playing. And I think this is very important, a bulk majority of his snaps in the slot. I mean, you did not see him play a ton of outside corner this past year. 443 defensive snaps played in the slot and only 12, 12 total snaps 
played an outside corner. I know the expectation with Akuda leaving is that Wade will step up and play outside cornerback this year, but that's a lot easier said than done. Am I wrong? Yeah, that's the, I'm I'm much much lower on Wade right now than I think a lot of other people. A lot of other people are kind of just pigeonholing him, right? It's not necessarily pigeonholing him, just tagging him as the next in line of the Ohio State of the DBU uh, tree there at cornerback. But I, I don't think it's going to be that easy. And I went back and watched uh, all his press snaps because uh, I think that's the most that's where you'll get the most sort of transition from what you see as a slot cornerback, which you say, you know, he played only slot this past year and in 2018 that he did not play outside cornerback. So that's the most translatable when you are impressed in the slot playing press man, that's the most like what you're going to see on the outside. It's not apples to apples quite because you have to worry about multiple releases, but I think it's the closest you'll see. And I came away not nearly as impressed as I thought I would be for how much everyone's pumping up this guy as the next big thing. And at six one one ninety five he's going to be an outside cornerback. Like that's not the profile of a slot cornerback in the NFL. I usually put shorter, shiftier guys in the slot. And while he's physical and can make plays around the line of scrimmage and maybe even could transition to safety, I think he came back to school because he wants to prove he's an outside number one type of cornerback, but I'm just not as sold on it. I'm going to need to see it. Like I'm going to need to see it because while he does get physical and press, I, I just did not think you saw necessarily the, quick feet and the, the speed, the top end speed. I just worry that he doesn't have, like he doesn't have nearly, I don't think he's nearly as fast as Caleb Farley was to consistently uh, stick with guys as much down the football field. That's something he's going to need to prove to me because you saw some reps when he was in the slot where if he didn't get his hands on guys, uh, he was giving up separation and giving up guys, free releases and free runs down the slot, down the football field. So uh, I'm just hesitant. It is very, there's a lot to like about him. Very good tackler, very hard-nosed football player, but I just have not – I'm just not quite on board. That's – again, like I'm just not on board with the hype at this point. Not saying he's not good, just not quite putting him in that top 10, top 20 conversation. And I'm with you. And if his size profile keeps him from playing slot or box at the next level, I think it's going to be a concern. I'm not I'm not convinced his best position isn't playing in the slot. You said it best. He's an instinctive, hard-nosed, yeah. strong tackler. You want that guy playing slot cornerback at, at the next level, a guy that can be around the line of scrimmage, attack the flares, attack the run, and be you know rush the passer. You saw him have a ton of success as a pass yeah. rusher this past year. Big hitter as well. Like, Put this man at outside cornerback like this upcoming season and he doesn't play well, I still think he can be a great pro in the slot playing the box. I just don't think you need to force a round peg into a square hole here. Or even if he safety. doesn't not, be safety, yeah. Yeah, or even safety. I just don't think you need to force him at outside corner if things don't mm-hmm. go well next year. Talking to again, teasing that interview, Chris Harris Jr. at the back end of this podcast talks about how sometimes slot cornerback can be harder, harder than playing outside corner. So finding guys that are actually good at it, that actually know how to be physical at the line of scrimmage and keep things in front of them in the slot, I think is super important. Again, I know a lot of people are clamoring for him to have huge strides playing outside corner this year, potentially be this class's cornerback one. I need to see it to believe it, because right now I still think best position in the NFL, slot cornerback or potentially box safety. All right, jumping ahead here to Patrick Sertain. This is a big dude as well. This, you talked about monsters. Patrick Sertain is huge. Like, And I thought Trayvon Diggs was big. This is yeah. another bigger dude playing in that Alabama defense. I, I came away – I think I came away with a lot of similar concerns that I had with Trayvon Diggs. I mean, I mean, in terms yes. of like what he can do, keeping with receivers downfield, if he doesn't get physical, if he doesn't get their hands on them, he's a little bit out of his comfort zone. Uh, where are you with Sertain? Yeah, I, I think I'm a little higher on him than I was on Diggs, but I, I get what, the same concern is athletically. They're just not 
top tier athletes. They are solid, you know, for the cornerback position in the NFL, but you're never going to be, you know, they're never going to be Jeffrey. Okuda. There's not that level of explosiveness of speed of the ability to keep with receivers down the football field. They have to pretty much almost have to be impressed. That's why they were 296 snaps impressed last year. That's the most of any guy we're going to talk about on this list today. I was top, I believe top five of anyone in the country last season. Uh, and he's six two two zero three. That's where that's where he's going to win, ideally in the NFL. But I think the thing that really got me on board with him and why I think he's uh, actually in the conversation for cornerback two right behind Caleb Farley is that when he did kick, when he kicked into the slot, and like you mentioned, there are some things that are different about the slot that are than compared to outside. And one is that you have to worry about inside and outside release. A lot of times you can. Where he goes. Well, yeah, two way goes. You can force a guy to one way when you're an outside cornerback and knowing you have health, knowing you have the sideline, whatnot. And slot, that's not the same sort of thing. That's not uh, a lot of times that's not the case. And when he was playing the slot, I thought he was just looked smooth in terms of his transitioning, uh, being able to keep with receivers when he didn't necessarily get the best press on them. Now he's uh, like I say, he's not super fast and he's not terribly quick, but I think he does have smooth hips for a bigger guy. And that's that's a good sign when projecting to the NFL. Yep. Earned an 84.6 PFF coverage rate this past year. Has played over 1,700 snaps over the past few years and hasn't earned the coverage blade. Going to be a true junior. So we start as a true freshman at Alabama. Oh, wow. Guys we talked about before this, Sean Wade's a redshirt, going to be a redshirt junior. Same with uh, Caleb Farley. So he's younger than those two guys we already talked about. Yeah, that is impressive. I mean, he hasn't earned a coverage grade below 78.7 as a true freshman in the SEC earned a very respectable overall grade at 79.0 has allowed a sub 75.0 NFL pass rating when targeted over, you know, over 10 passes defense over the past two years. I think, you know, you have those athleticism concerns initially, but when you see a guy consistently winning, consistently winning um, in coverage, there's something to it. And I think it's obviously a combination, understanding the system, the smooth hips you speak to the size, the physicality. I'm excited to see how much, because I still think he can get a lot better, how much better he can get, this upcoming season will be interesting. All right. One of my favorites in the class, Asante Samuel Jr. This guy, <clears throat> I'm going to put the label on it, Mike. Hashtag fun to watch. I oh, really yeah. do love Asante Samuel's film. He's an aggressive mother effer, man. This guy <laughs> tackles with, you know, he tackles it. I mean, this guy brings the heat with every tackle, and he's not a bigger guy. This guy isn't a monster. I'll tell you that right now. He's not a monster compared to, like, Sertain or Israel Mukamu, this guy is a little bit on the smaller side, but I love his athleticism. I love his aggressive play style. I just want to see more reps. I need to see more of it. I want to see more targets. I want to see more volume to see that grade kind of come up and see his ball production come up. Yeah, so he's another, going to be a true junior this upcoming season, but he is undersized. Like you said, 5'10", 184, but I think he can overcome it. To be, to be a short corner, to be an undersized corner and still hold up on the outside the NFL level, you just got to be an elite athlete. Like that, that's what it takes to do that at the NFL level. The good news is he, in terms of probably testing athleticism, I think he's the best athlete of any of these guys we're going to talk about on this list. Yes. He is just agility, explosiveness, leaping ability. Like you see it all on his tape. There's just some lightning to his game that other guys don't have. The ability to just make up ground in a blink of an eye. He has all of that. Now, He's not like you would think with his dad that he wouldn't be an aggressive tackler. Like you mentioned, he's a super aggressive tackler, but that you'd think he'd be this instinctive, like jumping route sort of guy. That wasn't really him at FSU. He's not, uh, he hasn't been that quite yet. Now, he doesn't have bad instincts by any means. Uh, there are some plays on his tape, one against uh, the U this past season where he comes off 
a deep post for a deep over and makes a pass breakup that are really impressive, but he's not like a super, uh, like uh, a Meek Robertson where you saw Meek Robertson just try and jump every route. Like he just like saw a game quickly. That's not who Asante Samuel is, but I do think uh, with his athleticism and, and the way he plays the game in terms of uh, he just gets after it and does not play like a guy who's 5'10", 184. Uh, I think he can hold up as an outside cornerback. I'm a big fan of this game. I, I'm just excited to see what he does this season because from his freshman year to his sophomore year, you saw a big leap. Uh, I think you can see an even bigger one in 2020. Already 18 passes defense over the past two years. I mean, an yeah. interception as well in addition. To, I mean, this guy I really do think could take another massive jump in 2020. I mean, you've seen his coverage grade improve from 69.7 in 2018 to 78.7 this past year with a lot of good ball production. I mean, undersized, it's one of the first things you notice, but the second and third things are elite athleticism and aggressiveness as a tackler. I think I can get on board with Asante Samuel Jr. All right, TJ Carter. TJ Carter of Memphis is a guy we talked about that graded well even prior to the 2019 season. We talked to him a little bit, you know, and entering the 2020 NFL draft. He has an impressive grading profile, obviously a smaller school guy compared to the top four, but you turn on the tape, specifically I watched all of his targets of 10 plus air yards. I came away pretty impressed. And I know he's not going against the level of competition, but TJ Carter's got some game in press in single coverage. These, these coverages that he'll play in the NFL. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of this guy's game. Like I think he has the only the biggest word for me is so he's 5'11", 189, but he, it looks like he's, even shorter than that, and he does not have great length. Like I don't, I'm not sure he's going to fit that profile of what you want as an outside cornerback at the NFL level. But he can fly. I mean, the guy. I didn't see anyone really run past him all season long. He can probably is going to run at least low four fours, uh, and he gets physical at the line of scrimmage. His press technique is exceptional. And, and after his first two years, 29 pass breakups and interceptions combined. His first two years at Memphis in 2017, 2018, starting as a true freshman, true sophomore. This past year, teams just stopped testing him. Only was targeted 41 times all season long. Only allowed five catches, 10-plus yards all season long. Uh, the way he explodes back on hitch routes was just different from anyone else in this class. The way he was from off coverage uh, coming back to routes was special, in my opinion. And that bodes well if you're transitioning him to the slot. His ability to break on passes like that, uh, I, I think, will bode well if that's where you want him in your defense, but I think he can still get the job done outside. I'm already looking forward to two things with them. One, Memphis plays Purdue, week two of the season. Rondale Moore, seeing them go head-to-head. And then two, the Senior Bowl. Uh, that'll be, to me, I, I assume he gets an invite. I have no clue how that stuff ends up going. I just assume with his talent level, he's going to get an invite. And that's going to be a massive sort of uh, proving ground for him, how he looks in a setting like that. I mean, something that's also, you know, very indicative, especially at the college level, you see it a lot. I mean, this guy had a lot of success in 2017 and 2018, was targeted more than 75 times both those years. This past year, only 41 targets. These guys, these guys were avoiding him, avoiding yep. him while playing Memphis because of the successes he had. Only allowed 22 receptions from 41 targets for 237 yards, four passes defense and two touchdowns. I mean, C.J. Carter, again. I always look at, you know, coverage grade, coverage grade and single coverage, coverage grade and press, coverage grade downfield. And he shows up time and time again as one of the higher grade cornerbacks in college football. Continue to have that. I agree that you need to see matchups. You need to see him against Rondell Moore and you need to see him against in the senior bowl to really get a good feel of him. But from the tape that he has put out, you can only play the players on your schedule. He has put out some very yeah. good tape. All right. Jumping to Eric Stokes. I really liked Eric Stokes entering the 2019 season, but I came away 
rewatching the tape and, and also having that bad taste in my mouth. That's DeAndre Baker. <laughs> George, Georgia coaches these guys days. up. The, Georgia coaches these guys up to play bully ball all the way down the football field. Eric Stokes time, time again, getting, you know, being physical before the catch and all that type of stuff, stuff that he'll get called for or burned on in the NFL. I think he's a better athlete than DeAndre Baker, but still you ha- those, you know, bad habits die. What is the fucking expression? I don't even know. Regardless, he's got some bad habits right now playing, being physical down the football field. And that's just not going to fly. That's just not going to fly. Yeah. And there's another thing, and I agree with everything you just said in terms of the way they just lean on guys until like until they force them to throw the flag. On them. I'm pretty sure his penalties uh, are high. Like I think he's had a lot of penalties over the past. Actually, year. actually four this past year. So not terribly high. But I will say this. And the, other, the thing that's worrisome about him is when you are when you look a certain way. So if you're a six foot, one hundred eighty five pound cornerback. You probably shouldn't be a super physical guy if you're a 185-pound quarterback, if you're playing at 185 in the NFL. If that's the only way you're winning in college, you're not going to win with physicality if you're 185 pounds. you got to be like 205 to be a physical cornerback in the NFL, to be continually winning with physicality like that. So that just doesn't mesh up. Like that, that's not going to – the thing he's the best at is not going to translate to the league. Like I don't believe at 185 you're going to be pushing around – um, you know, some of the bigger wide receivers in the NFL. That's just not how that works. So uh, that to me is worrisome. And the fact that he's just a limited athlete, I, I don't think he's physically uh, up there with some of the other guys on this list. I think he's just very meh in terms of athletically uh, when projecting to the NFL. So those are he's two a former, he's a former track athlete, though. Former track athlete. I'm pretty sure he was a coveted star from a recruit perspective, had four or five stars. I think. Maybe maybe it's not as fluid. I still think he's a better yeah. athlete than DeAndre Baker. I mean, DeAndre Baker. Okay, was, yeah, yeah, DeAndre Baker was not great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I get. I mean, I wouldn't put him in the same tier as Asante Samuel Jr. or no. even uh, some of the other guys up top for sure. Um, anything else I'd want to? Uh, let's jump off of Eric Stokes here because I get it. Asante Samuel Jr. is one guy I really came away really impressed with and excited for, and the other guy here, Diamador Lenoir, the Oregon cornerback though i i feel like him playing in slot i get really really excited about what this guy was doing instinctually mm-hmm. uh, at oregon and playing the ball in front of him and, and reacting to things and when you're looking at slot cornerbacks similar to you know what lafleur has said about slot receivers you need guys that are brilliant you need brilliance you need intelligence you need instincts and that's who, who's having the most success in the slot right now desmond king who's a master of zone coverages tyron matthew who's very instinctive and very smart diameter lamar i see it you see it at Oregon, him playing the ball and reacting to things before they happen. And I'm always going to fall in love with those types, especially if you're they're positioned as, as he was at Oregon. Yeah, so I'm going to call it right now. I think he ends up at safety in the NFL. He's outside yeah. cornerback. He's the boundary cornerback for Oregon, so that's the tight side of the field. Uh, he plays uh, every snap there, 5'11", 203. Um, but he's not, he doesn't have necessarily the length he wants to stay outside. And he's, he's very good in press coverage, very physical. Like you mentioned, all these things in terms of instinctive, plays football the right way, a guy you want to fall in love with. I just think that translates better all those things that he brings to the table at safety. The fact that he is physical as hell. The fact that he's one of the best tackling cornerbacks in all of college football. Only eight missed tackles on 137 attempts in his entire college career. Like The guy has been exceptional in that regard. To me, though, that screams safety. That screams that's where that's going to play better, those instincts, the fact that he can tackle really well. Cornerback, when you saw him, you know, press cornerback, when you saw him just try to mirror guys without using that physical, without trying to beat guys up, 
didn't happen. Like you did not have that sort of athleticism, uh, that sort of fluidity. So I think he is going to be a safety. And I, I think he could still be a very good safety. I would, I'd love to see him transition there like sooner though, rather than later. Yeah. I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to actually see him at safety to see what that looks like, or even more in the slot. Cause he's still, like I said, still was the boundary sort of cornerback there last year for them. I mean, you'd have to, I mean, seeing what he did and, you have to imagine he makes a transition to the slot box safety at some yeah, point. Cause that's totally. where I feel like it's, it's obvious. It's glaringly obvious where he's going to have the most success in the NFL is at those positions, knowing the strengths he does bring to the table. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see though, because I mean, at, at the college level, you want your best defensive backs probably playing outside cornerback. And I think Diamondaire Lenoir is up there with some of the better defensive backs on Oregon's roster. I, I could see him playing more outside corner and even having some success there. But I think when you get into the NFL, you're going to want this guy closer to the box playing the slot and, and getting aggressive against the run, getting aggressive, you know, aggressive on shorter passes yes. and stuff like that. That is his role That's in the NFL. Wins. And that role right now, I'm going to say it right now is super valuable. I know outside cornerbacks yeah. are super valuable, but playing that role and having success playing box safety slot corner as, as more and more teams are putting three, four wide receivers on the field. And if you, a lot of tight ends aren't even tight ends anymore. Tight ends are pass catching types as well. I mean, you look at since 2014, the NFL average for 11 personnel, 11 more than three or four receivers on the field has been over 64%. More, more than 64% of the time, you're seeing three plus receivers on the field, and tight ends are only getting smaller, only getting And more those are, uh, and the other thing is, those are the high leverage, those are third downs. That guy's yep. on the field on a third down. So, yep. All right. Jumping off Diameter and Lamar. I really do like his tape. All right. Elijah Molden, slot corner for Washington, had a, a ton of ball production. I think there was one game where he had like three or four passes defense. His grade really did reflect that. I honestly, though, a lot of people love this guy. I, I, I liked his tape. I still didn't see. I mean, I thought some of the passes defense were gifted to him a bit. I'm not as high on Molden as I am on Lamar, and I don't see them. If you're looking at slot corner box safety types, I see Lamar miles ahead of Molden, in my opinion. Interesting. I was going to say the opposite. To me, Mullen's the best pure slot. If you want a really? slot cornerback, I think he's the best pure slot in this in this draft class. Uh, I thought he he's the best in terms of just like underneath quickness in reacting to things. And, and that's difficult to sort of assess for Lenoir since he didn't really play much of the slot and he very well could. But I thought Molden, just the way he saw the game was what you want from a slot cornerback. And now he played fully slot at, at in the Washington defense. Uh, he's 5'10", 190. I think he's pretty well built for a slot cornerback. He's not super undersized. Uh, and, and he's a physical guy in his own right, a very good tackler. Only missed nine tackle attempts on 90, uh, nine tackles on 90 attempts this past season. So he's going to be good in that regard. Now, he's not, he is undersized, limited length. I'm not sure he's even uh, a safety necessarily at his size. I think he's basically pigeonholed into the slot, but I think he's very good there. And, and I think he's, pretty damn quick in terms of his hips uh, is breaking on routes. And and he reacted to verticals better than any of the other guys who were fully slot cornerbacks in this uh, draft class that we've mentioned already. Uh, That being, you know, Sean Wade, I guess Sante Samuel played a good deal slot there. Um, Patrick Sertanian played a good deal slot. Any of the guys that played in the slot, I thought Molden was the best in terms of recognizing and transitioning his hips and getting over the top of vertical routes from the slot, which is to me is always very impressive because that's, if you're the guy who just sits on everything underneath and then doesn't give a shit about a guy going vertical on you, it's easy to jump routes and look very good. If you are still in position to react to those, that means you're, you know, that 
you're actually seeing the game uh, quicker and better uh, than a lot of these other guys. So I, I think he's just a, an instinctual, again, football player. Uh, but he is, like I said, probably nowhere else but the slot. That, that's the only sort of downside for Molden here. Man, I'm going to have to go back and, and rewatch this tape. I wasn't expecting this high of praise. I didn't come away as impressed. I'll have to have to get back into it. I thought a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the highly highly graded plays I thought maybe were gifted to him a bit. But I do think, I, I do think, I I saw you see some of the success. Obviously, a 90, 90.0 coverage grade this past year, or 90. 90.9 coverage grade this past year, 10 passes, defense, four picks, 93 targets as well. The dude was tested a ton, uh, only 61 receptions allowed, 610 yards. I want to go back to the tape, watch more, look for those verticals, like you said. And I'm interested to see as he continues to like gain so much experience in the slot, which you rarely see for like truly true slot types. Even Amik Robinson didn't play a ton of slot, even though he knew he was probably yeah. playing slot in the NFL. It'll be interesting to see him come in to the NFL with a bevy of experience playing the position he'll play in the NFL. You don't see that a ton with slot corners. Uh, jumping to the guy we've kind of referenced multiple times, it's Israel Mukuamu, the South Carolina cornerback that I had a double take looking at this guy's height. Well, you know, before you can kind of dive into the film, six foot four, 205 pounds. The dude is huge. And I think he's what was most notable on his tape this past year is Jerry Judy put him in an absolute blender. An absolute blender this past year. I don't think he handled short area bursts and quickness well. He's a bigger dude and kind of looked big. That's that, that's that's a concern with me. When you're big and you play big in terms of short area quickness, ankle flexion, flexibility, all that stuff, that is where the concerns rise up. Only a 70.9 coverage grade this past year. Some people really like him, though. I was concerned with the athletic ability. Yeah, so he's, like you said, 6'4", 205 there's not a lot of nuance with them. Like you, you, what you see is very much what you're getting. You like, you, you're going to have to throw him on the line of scrimmage pretty much every single snap. I, you know, a la Brandon Browner, like, like Brandon Browner, if he was asked to play off coverage, it was a nightmare. Like he has to be, get his hands on guys from the snap and then ride them down the football field to, uh, you know, to succeed. And, and those guys like him can stop a route in their tracks at the line of scrimmage and just like end it, take that guy out of the progression. That is, that is why you have him on your roster. If you're going to covet a guy like Mugwamu, you're going to ask him to do literally anything else. Uh, it's going to be bad. And now even in press, like he's still so sloppy. He reminds me of uh, Isaiah Johnson, the Houston quarterback who ended up going to the Raiders, I believe in like the fourth round a couple of years ago, where it's just like the physical tools are there. Like he's six four two oh five. And he doesn't, he's not like super clunky and falling all over himself. Uh, obviously, he moves like a guy who's 6'4", 205, but he's, he's not, never going to move like a six foot 190 190-pound cornerback, but he's not completely out of place at the cornerback position. Uh, but like, there's just no new, no refinement to his game. Like, I, I, I would be surprised if he even comes out after this year with how sloppy he was last year, just in terms of things like finding the ball when, when it's thrown, you know, things that, you should take for granted, like recognizing uh, when the receiver's looking at the pass and then like attacking the catch point still just like doesn't do. So I, I do think that there's a long way to go for him, but that's a skill set that I, I think some teams will want at the NFL level. It's just, you got to understand it's not going to be a universal sort of plug into any scheme sort of player. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you, man. I, I think it, I think the best way you just said that is you see what you get. And when you turn on the tape and yeah. watch every watch every coverage snap, watch every target, you're seeing a stiffer, bigger corner that will be very 
pigeonholed into what you can ask him to do in the NFL. What, what's your take on the the other corner in South Carolina? A guy playing opposite him, number one, J.C. Horn. Did not earn necessarily high coverage grades this past year, just a 63.8 grade, but eight passes defense, only allowed a 51% completion percentage when targeted. Are you higher on Horn than you are Mukuamu? So Mukuamu had better stats this past year, but I wrote down in Horn's notes here, I wrote much better at actual corner things. Than Mukuamu. Like you can you can do a lot more with Horn. And again, he's a he's a big guy in his own right. 6'1, 200 is no small cornerback, but he looks small standing next to Mukuamu. And he's he's actually got some speed to his game. I think he's pretty fast. I think he's gonna be like a four-four type of guy, Horn here. He's just not terribly sudden, not terribly agile. And for me, the biggest thing with him, so eight pass breakups as a freshman, eight pass breakups as a sophomore, but you just saw balance issues. Like when he lost, it got like really ugly. And I balance at cornerback is kind of almost just a given. Like we talk about balance issues on the offensive line being like the guys with really good balance are the ones you want, but like not a lot of guys have really good balance. Pretty much every cornerback at the NFL level has good balance. Like you don't see a lot of guys falling flat in the face of cornerback. The fact that I saw it on horns tape uh, more than a few times, that was worrisome to me. And now, uh, Again, another guy who's only going to be a true junior in this upcoming season has a ways to go, and that's an encouraging start to his career. I'm just not – he's just not even in the top you know, three-round conversation for me right now at the moment. All right. Jumping to our last cornerback before we jump to the Chris Harris Jr. interview is Marco Wilson of Florida. Played opposite – or sometimes opposite play. Also played over 200 snaps or 200 snaps at slot cornerback. Six foot, 190 pounds. Marco Wilson, Florida corner, former four-star recruit. Has played a decent amount. Missed a lot of 2018. But in 2019, over 700 snaps played. A 70.8 PFF grade. A 69.3 PFF coverage grade. What are your initial takeaways with Marco Wilson? I, I remember, I mean, watching a lot of CJ Henderson, you see Marco Wilson opposite him. I didn't, these, I can get off these Florida corners. I've fallen in love before. And I don't know if Marco Wilson's going to be the guy that has me crawling back. So Wilson's, man. So he was starting at Florida as a true freshman before CJ Henderson was even starting. Like he was heralded good as a true freshman. Like, and then you expected this massive leap from him in 2018, tears his ACL, misses the season, comes back in 2019. You're thinking, you know, what, what is he going to show us? And if, if you remember that first, that week zero game against the U, where he has one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. It was like a fourth and 24, and he commits yes. a pass interference, like 10 yards short of the sticks, or like five yards short of the sticks, just like a dumbass. And that was kind of just like that was a microcosm of who he was last year. Just the sloppiest cornerback of any of these guys we've talked about. Just no. Uh, How often can pause? Can we pause real quick? How <laughs> often have we seen sloppy corners coming out of freaking Florida though? I mean, I think some, I think sec overall outside of Alabama, there is a lot of sloppiness at the cornerback position because I think you're rarely, you're rarely negatively affected. Sometimes, sometimes you obviously are big yeah. penalties and those things, but like, sloppiness at Georgia, you get away with it. Sloppiness at some of these other SE schools, like you can be physical, like sloppiness is the negative way of physicality. Like physicality is the positive way of spinning sloppy technique and trying to bail yourself out of bad situations by grabbing on jerseys and stuff. Like I've seen this too many times before. But, and it's just like dumb, like biting on double moves. Like he was just a mess, got benched, ends up moving to this, like they and then they ended up not even just like letting him have a chance at outside cornerback. They moved him to slot cornerback uh, as the season went on. Like the athleticism is there. Like the raw talent 
was there. He started as a true freshman, you know, back in 2017 at Florida. But man, uh, he just got a long ways to go. And again, so he's going to be a redshirt junior because I think he redshirted the year 2018 after the ACL tear. So he doesn't have to come out this year, but we just need to see something different from what we saw last year. Last year was just incredibly disappointing in my eyes. You hate to see it. You hate you to do. see the slot. I'm interested to see, do you, obviously with CJ Henderson leaving, do you think they give him another swing in the pad at outside corner after? I think it was, I week, mean, he's too it was week 11. Yeah, it was week 11 on that they ended up pushing him into the slot. I'd be interested to see him moving back to outside corner. I, I, I don't know. It's, it, I, I'm interested to see. I think a lot of people do like him. I think he's a known name in the 20, you know, those who are already looking ahead to the 2021 NFL draft. But there are some other names on this list that I, I am much higher on entering this upcoming class. There will also be a lot of names that we haven't highlighted yet that should blow up in 2020. God willing, we have a season this upcoming year. I'll keep saying it, but I'm ready to rock. All right, Mike, anything else to add? Anything else to add before we jump to this Chris Harris Jr. interview? No, nothing else. It's just a it's a big-ass cornerback class. And honestly, like it's, it's kind of wide open right now. A lot of positions – I guess I said there's nothing else to add, and I'm adding like a bunch of stuff right now. But like a lot of a lot of positions, there's a top one, two. They feel like set in stone. Uh, I could see any of these. I could see like any of the top like ten guys that we mentioned vaulting up. Not any of the top ten guys, but like a lot any a lot of guys vaulting up into the quarterback one spot. I think this is a wide open cornerback class at the moment. All right, before we jump to Chris Harris Jr., I want to mention Fantasy Forty saves you forty percent off on any PFF subscription, help pay Mike's bills so he no longer has black eyes. He needs to keep these robbers and thieves out of his home. Fantasy 40 saves you 40% off any PFF subscription. I'll also add, make sure you you subscribe and review this pod. We need to get our reviews back up. We need to get the subscribes back up because we're going to be ramping this thing up more than just once a week, twice a week as we get closer to August and then in season. You never know. We might be dropping bonus pods three days a week, getting interviews on. I'll say this, Mike. I'll say this. I'm about 90, 90% sure the safety podcast, 2021 safety safety overview podcast, we're going to have Tyron Matthew, Kansas City Chief Safety, on for that pod. Should be pretty exciting. I know. Roast my ass for not calling them elite. I know he has some bold takes on PFF. Should be an exciting one for that pod. Until then, let's listen to this Chris Harris Jr. interview. Thanks, everyone. Joining the Two for One Drafts podcast is former longtime Denver Broncos cornerback, but new Los Angeles Chargers cornerback, Chris Harris Jr. Chris, I kind of want to start with this. You haven't had an opportunity to meet your new your new teammates. How hard has it been this offseason knowing that you're going to the Chargers and you're unable to see person to person with the guys you're going to be playing with this year? Uh, it's definitely been hard, uh, but I've had a lot of interactions with the coaches. Um, we had great off-season uh, virtual meetings with each other. And a lot of – some of these guys like Casey Hayward, Desmond King, Devin James, I've, I've uh, got to hang out with those guys in the off-season. So oh, nice. I'm familiar with them. So I'm excited to be able to join them, guys that are all well-established, all have had um, accolades in this, in this league. So to be able to join with them, I'm, I'm excited. I have one more kind of COVID-related question, then we'll kind of get into some other things. The NFLPA recently voted to not play any preseason games. Recently voted that. What's your opinion of that? What kind of impact do you think that's going to have on the regular season? I think it's going to definitely have an impact. I think probably by week five, everybody will be uh, really in game mode. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the, it's going to be hard for the rookies. Um, their practice is going to be like games. Um, they're going to have to go out there and really perform at practice to be able to make the team and show the coaches um, that um, they can go out there and perform under, under uh, pressure. Yeah, man. All right. Before we jump to what is very exciting and, and you joining the Los Angeles Chargers, I want to turn back the clocks a little bit and look at your time at the Denver Broncos, specifically last year. You played over 900 snaps at outside cornerback last year. You hadn't yeah. played more than three, 400 snaps at outside cornerback in any other year of your career. What was that transition yeah. like? What went into that decision in Denver? Talk to me about your experience yeah. playing outside corner. Yeah. Uh, we just didn't have uh, a lot of um, depth in, at the corner position and um, a lot of younger guys. And for me, I knew that uh, I had to put a lot of pressure on myself just to give us a chance to win, um, you know, um, just to, with the talent that we had and take on the best player every week. And um, that was my role. And uh, I did. I, de- I think I did a decent job at it, man. It was definitely hard but with uh, what I was working with. Uh, but we was able to uh, still come out with, I think, nine wins, I think. Yeah. Uh, still, and a lot of games we could have won, man, very close. So um, we definitely could have made the playoffs of just a couple plays there and there. But it, it was fun. Uh, that's something I, I still have confidence I can do if whatever's need me whatever the coaches need me to do. But um, next year, I know that this year or uh, this season, I know that they got me playing all over the field, and that's what I'm specialty at. I can um, being able to play the run, being able to blitz, um, being able to um, just do it, play all over the field. Um, that's what I love to do. Yeah, I mean, what, what's the biggest challenge there? I, obviously, you were shadowing a ton of receivers last year, and going against yeah. very good competition every week comes with its challenges. Yeah. But in addition to that, what skill set is needed while playing in the slot versus playing outside? Because I'm sure fundamentals, yeah. technique, and those things have to change as well. Uh, I mean, uh, really, it's, uh, for me, it's just uh, I, can, I, I can do more things in a slot for me. Um, it's mm-hmm. definitely harder. Um, and man-to-man in the slot because you have two-way goals. Uh, and the receiver can – I mean, now they're, they're doing every route from the slot. So, um, And your number one receivers play there all the time now too. So, yep. Um, uh, so uh, they make it definitely hard because they get option routes. But on the outside, it's more um, – you can use the sideline for your help. Um, they're, they're more uh, – it's, it's just more uh, more vertical, more deep. On the, more deep routes on the uh, on the sideline, so that's really the difference. But um, me, I just like playing everywhere. I just don't mm-hmm. like to be a guy that's um, uh, where you know I'm going to be at every week. I like to be everywhere. Yeah, I want to talk about Justin Simmons specifically. Had a bit of a yeah. breakout year this past year with the Denver Broncos. What is your opinion of Justin Simmons? Obviously, working with him in the defensive back room yeah. at, in Denver, do you think his success is trending up? Do you think you're going to continue to see it? Oh yeah, I think. Um, both the safeties in that defense, that's, that defense is tailored for them uh, to make plays. So I think um, Fangio's going to continue to put Jay in situations to, to get interceptions, to be around the football. And, um, and that's what it is, man. That's a great – that's an amazing safety defense to go out there and shine. They let you roam. They let you be free and uh, really go out there and make plays on the ball. So I definitely see Justin continue to have uh, success in that system. Another guy with a ton of hype in Denver right now is Drew Locke, obviously taking the keys to that offense this upcoming year. You've had opportunities to work with him, practice against yeah. him. How big of a hurdle is it for him to take yeah. on this starting job in 2020? Yeah. Oh, man, it's going to be a great experience for him, I think. Um, when you, he had a, good, a solid five games at the end of the year. Um, 
But when you start, when teams have a good look on you and then you go into the next year, it's always harder. I mean, just mm-hmm. being a professional. And um, so it's going to, it's definitely he's going to have some times where he's going to have to, um, to push through it, persevere through it. But he's a guy that's, he's, uh, he's a confident player. Uh, he loves football. And that's what you need as a quarterback. Let's look ahead now. Los Angeles. You guys on paper are stacked. Nasir Adderley yeah. coming off injury second year. Derwin James, Casey Hayward, yeah. Chris Harris Jr., yourself. Obviously, Desmond King. Do you guys feel it? I know you haven't had an opportunity a ton to practice yeah. with them, et cetera. But do you guys feel like you guys can be great? Because everyone is in love yeah. with the guys you have in the secondary with the Chargers. Oh, yeah, man. We feel it. Uh, we definitely know we just got to put in the great work. And uh, once – Training camp comes, but first, right now, everybody come in shape, come in ready, and uh, I feel like I'm very comfortable with the systems. I'm going to jump in and be able to help elevate those guys' roles. That's what I want to do: elevate their game with my experience that I have in the league, and and just really just, I mean, just calling plays out. That's what I do. So being able to do that and just help them um, speed up their process in the game, uh, I expect them them boys to make a lot of plays. So, I, mean, I know you spoke to this a little bit, but what role do you see yourself playing yeah. in this Chargers defense? Obviously, Desmond yeah. King has had a ton of success in the slot. Casey Hayward at outside yeah. corner. Um, where do you see yourself fitting in? Yeah. Really, I think um, it's whatever is needed. If they need me to cover uh, a big-time receiver this week, then I'll go do that. Or mm-hmm. me and Casey will switch off on it. Or if they need me to play the slot and shut down the whole middle of the field, then I can do that. So, it's just really dependent on what the coaches want me to do right now. This whole offseason, uh, I've been playing uh, outside and I've been learning the outside of uh, the nickel spot and safety to learn every position in the wow. secondary. <laughs> Jack of all trades now, Chris, doing everything for this defense. Um, I want to talk okay. about, too, tougher receivers because you had an opportunity, again, to shadow receivers in the NFL. You had to see the yeah. best competition every single week. Who right now are some of the tougher receivers to go against in the NFL? And I bet you one of them is on your team now in Keenan Allen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keenan, he was definitely tough, man. His route running um, and just his timing, man, with the quarterback. A lot of them have great quarterbacks, you know, and Mm -hmm. great quarterbacks with the great timing to put it right there in his chest. I mean, that's what makes Tyree Hill so tough. Patrick Patrick Mahomes, he can throw it 80 yards and, you know, throw it on the run (laughs) and and get this man all all the time in the world to run his route, you know. So that makes it tough. Uh, Him – uh, Julio, he's always been a great player. Just his his size, um, his speed. Odell was tough. I mean, a lot of these receivers there. It's it's a good it's a good fifteen receivers that are uh, I would say elite in this league uh, that can all make plays, man. One hundred percent. All right, now I know thirty one years old. You're a, you're a mentor for these younger guys in in Los Angeles. I want your take yeah. on who are some of the better young cornerbacks in the NFL. Who's the new guard entering the NFL right now? Uh, some some young corners. As uh, I, I would try to go with, uh, let me see. That's a good question, man. <laughs> Desmond King, how is he not the first? Come on. Des, Des is more, I, I was looking for like first year, second year guys. Fair, fair, fair. Okay. I think there's a little bit more experience. I would say um, I like uh, – Dang it, this is tough. <laughs> this is a tough one. I like um, the corner from Seattle, man. He, he, Trey Flowers. I think he has some guy. He's a young guy that I, I think he can make some improvements. And, and once it clicks on for him, I think he can be a very yeah. good corner. Um, uh, let me think of somebody else, man. <laughs> 
Jason, I'll put you on the spot. I, I, like, I like Alexander. I like Alexander from the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a guy that's kind of similar to how I came in and played, kind of similar style. Uh, I think he, he can just – once he builds a whole season of consistency, he'll, he'll, be, he'll take that next step, that Pro Bowl level. So I think those two guys are some couple guys out. And I like um, one other young corner. I like 35 from the Chiefs. I think he's going to be a solid corner too. Yeah, Charvarius Ward. All right, yeah. I'll finish with it. Yeah, I'll finish with this, Chris. Um, what are your expectations for this yeah. Los Angeles Chargers defense in 2020? With yeah. that great secondary, obviously you have Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram up front. Do you guys really yeah. – what are your expectations for this one? Yeah. Uh, my expectations is really to try to dictate the game on defense. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I've been on defenses that have been able to do that, and and it's a great feeling when, uh, when you go into the game and you don't really worry about what the offense is going to do. Yeah. You just worry about what you're going to do on defense. And that's our goal is to go out there, score touchdowns, make plays, uh, dictate the game on defense. So that's something I expect us to do, and uh, that's our number one goal. There you go, Chris. Well, I really appreciate that's your right. time. I hope you and your family are staying safe throughout this, you know, obviously the COVID crisis right now. Yeah. And I wish you the best of luck in Los Angeles this upcoming year. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me.